Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is one of our deep dives. We're going to dive deep into the crawls of the sequel era, the opening crawls of the sequel era. I realize the way I phrase that could be ambiguous. Anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsack. No matter how you phrase it, I'm happy to be crawling into this final 
discussion. I'll stop. I hate wordplay. What am I doing? <laughs> yes, Lisa, stop uh, crawling and just uh, move on. Uh, we always want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download in a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over 180,000 titles and growing to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, this week, we are continuing to recommend The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray, the latest High Republic adventure. We're going to be discussing it uh, next week. So if you want to get all caught up, you can check out the audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for a free audiobook. But we have more, more. More, they says. Yes, we have another offer. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website. If you use this special link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, Inner Jedi Journal, a great way to try to be like a Jedi every day of your life, or at least this year. Again, use the link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. 35 FC 35. Ah, like the change up FC 35. It's yeah. great to find some uh, a fresh way to express what that <laughs> website link is. All right, we are going to dive into the sequel era opening crawls and, and and not in the case of Rogue One. We've been talking about the opening crawls of Star Wars for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we talked in one episode about the crawls in general plus really looking at the actual text of the crawls from the original trilogy and then we did another episode about the prequel era, the the prequel trilogy, as well as the Clone Wars newsreel. We talked a lot about the adventure serial roots, the baked-in nostalgia, the mix of uh, pulp and politics, and much more. This episode, we're going to dive into the sequel era, the sequel trilogy itself, as well as the no-crawl of Rogue One and the non-crawling but still text of Solo. So, Ken, we're going to dive into Force Awakens first. Before uh, the film came out, did you have any hopes or dreams or thoughts about the opening crawl itself? I honestly didn't. I honestly didn't. I just was, you know, excited. I, I just... I think I was so excited just to see episode seven, right? Screen the movie, but in the crawl itself, like, wow. Yeah. I cannot believe we're going to see that new number because it was pretty exciting seeing episode one. Uh, right. I just remember seeing that going like, this is insane. We're seeing something I, I never thought I would see. So I, I was driving to the screening, uh, literally pounding my steering wheel saying, I'm going to see new star Wars today. And I just couldn't wait to see episode seven on the screen. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. I think I did give it some thought, you know, because uh, we were doing uh, Star Wars punditry uh, by that time, certainly. And there was lots of, you know, hopes, dreams, expectations. And I did give some thought to the opening crawl. I didn't have like any specific like hopes or dreams. Like I hope the crawl says this, but I did really reflect like the, the first thing that I'm going to do is not really necessarily see new star Wars, but read new star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and I remember feeling like, okay, I, I think through all the discussion and analysis of the trailers, we've kind of figured out a, a, a decent amount of the mechanics, you know, of what might be going on in the film and the questions raised of, you know, okay, well, who is Kylo Ren? Who is Ray? All that kind of stuff. Uh, but I was so curious to see that very beginning of uh, kind of the spirit of the, the text and of the adventure serials of uh, what is the framing of the state of the galaxy? What is the framing of the state of our heroes and what event is, is teed up, you know, in, in because the, the, third paragraph almost always sets us up for the uh, immediate action that we're about to see. And I was so excited for that of like, uh, how are those four dots 
three once. Uh, how are those dots going to lead us into that first scene? Mm. What are those dots going to be doing? What are those dots up to? Well, we're going to discuss that. Uh, we are going to read the crawl from Force Awakens, and then we will discuss, I'll read this one, and then we will go back and forth. Here we go. The crawl to the Force Awakens. Luke Skywalker has vanished. In his absence, the sinister First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With the support of the Republic, General Leia Organa leads a brave resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku, where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. Four dots. There are those dots leading us into the story. So, Ken, I want to start just with the politics. <laughs> and then we'll get into the big picture. I know, I know. To start with politics, what am I? The crawl from the Phantom Menace? How dare I? Uh, but th that's part of what I'm really uh, interested in is the original trilogy did absolutely frame big galactic events, big yeah. galactic organizations, uh, but in general leaned into the pulp, the adventure serial, uh, what's going on with uh, individuals as well as the galactic battle. And a lot of the prequel was uh, framing the, that the debate is political. It is about big structures. Um, and here uh, comes Force Awakens, which at the time I think seemed interested in being like, it's going to have more of that uh, original series uh, flair. Uh, and then some of the conversation around the film becomes that the political situation is not entirely clear. So what I want to ask you is, do you think this crawl offers clarity on the political situation in the galaxy? It did until the movie started. Then I don't know if it did. <laughs> Maybe I think it did. Look, I, yeah, I'm taking myself back to 2015. But even beyond that, just some of the conversations we had here in Force Center or even I had myself with uh, on Spotlight Star Wars where I'd sit in my old apartment just wondering aloud and uh, into a microphone and what was in the, this crawl and in the movie and, and the state of the galaxy. This is the first time I remember really discussing the state of the galaxy, Joseph, right? I, I, I didn't discuss it as uh, in my previous uh, years as a Star Wars fan this much until 2015. I, I, th I think at the end of the day, I guess it worked. It's just slightly convoluted based on the novels around this time, Bloodline mm -hmm. comes to mind. The lack of uh, the core, what I call the Corsella storyline, Hosnian Prime going there, uh, Chancellor Vilchim and, 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 and trying to, you know, get uh, get the approval there. But also this, it says with the support of the Republic, and I just have, I have always sensed that Leia doesn't have the support of the Republic. That's why she's been branded a warmonger and has to kind of coax her friends out of retirement. It is a little convoluted, though I love this crawl. And it's just going back to that time period. That's that's kind of what I thought almost every day about this crawl. <laughs> yeah, I think that this that particular line is sometimes overlooked because, you know, I take it as a part of the storytelling. I take it as, uh, you know, something that one should consider when thinking about the state of the galaxy. I feel like um, the the crawl does more work than maybe sometimes it's given credit for. It is, yep. you know, makes it pretty clear to me that the resistance is a small military group and they are supported by the Republic. Um, so I, I think, I know I talked to a lot of people uh, in 2015 who were like, is the resistance the Republic? Uh, what's that government? If, the if you know, is the, uh, the Leia's group, is that the, army of the republic what's the deal and i feel like it, it makes it pretty clear that there there is the large government the republic mm -hmm. and then a small band which is uh the resistance mm -hmm. um 
I I totally agree and will always feel that there should there could have been I try not to say should there yeah. could have been more politics in the film and just made it a little bit more clear because I think the story that emerges is the Republic quietly allows the resistance to function but mm-hmm. won't throw its whole weight behind the threat of the First Order and I think that that reality of the Republic going yeah we're we're aware of the resistance and. They have our maybe kind of under the table support, but not our loud vocal support is such a great story about this policy of appeasement of like, yeah, the first order is becoming a problem, but the Republic isn't functioning well enough to call it out and address it, but will quietly support the Republic. And it seems like that was what was at the heart of those Corsella scenes of Mm -hmm. Leia dispatching her to the Republic to say, you have to have a full throated acknowledgement that the first order is a threat and you need to prepare for the conflict that we don't want, but the first order is going to bring. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, and I remember unlocking a lot of that, uh, especially in bloodline and just picking up and, and, and learning more on just, you know, who, who was Corsella who was the, the character on the balcony. Uh, I think it does become uh, apparent there. And, and you're right. I think, this was the first for me. I'm talking about my personal journey of even Starkiller Base destroying Hosnian Prime, and you see the Republic ships taken out and listening, paying attention to what uh, our, our good old man General Hux is saying on his uh, big speech that I often poke fun at in a loving way because I do love the character. But I think uh, I think I was engaging a lot of what I was seeing and not listening. And 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 the crawl does. That's why I'm saying in the end, you go back. I think it's more clear than. I might've thought in 2015. So I can stand behind you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then combine, yeah, with some of the explicit things Hux says in his speech and about the fact that the Republic does have a fleet, but it's clearly not um, active and then it's destroyed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we could talk all day about uh, the political story of the force awakens, but we are going to focus on the crawl itself. Big picture. Ken, where does this crawl rank for you now? And what are your favorite parts? Uh, This, this, um, this is still pretty high. And, and now what are we six plus years removed uh, thereabouts? Which is crazy to think I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm nostalgic for it. Like I'm having fun putting myself back in, in my frame of mind in 2015. I just love this. And you talk about favorite parts. That first sentence is insane. Right. Jaw dropper. Luke Skywalker's vanished. I think I, I didn't audibly gasp because I was at a press screening. I was trying to be suppress my emotions, which it feels <laughs> like is the t- tone and tenor of the screenings. Um, uh, but man, I, I had like kind of like a like an intake of breath, just like he's he vanished because leading up to this, a lot of it was. And I think you even uh, heard some interviews with Mark Hamill saying, "Yeah, JJ uh, said, don't you want to find out what happens to Luke Skywalker? Come on back, tell the story with us." And and the first sentence is, eh, "Poof, he's gone." I, I, <laughs> very effective, very effective, and I love that part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there is uh, a lot in in The Force Awakens, uh, particularly when it came out. I think it'll always be there baked into the film, but that environment in 2015 of Star Wars is back and the uh, the original uh, big three are back in these roles in this this, uh, sense of uh, something old and lost has returned and is literally awakening in the title, right? So what a great way to start tension of like, one of the things that a lot of viewers came here to see is missing. It's not here. This lost thing that we're, that we're kind of here to reclaim in some way, to understand in a new way, like that that's the impetus to, to, to kick it all off is like the thing you came here to see has vanished. Yeah. Yeah. 
There you go. Yeah. And then here's you and I going, I think we're going to get some first act Luke action figures soon. Uh, right. We're gonna, he's in the first act, right? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I like the. I'm into the, this one uh, yeah. Yeah. because it's got such a fascinating job of, of restarting uh, everything. I really, really like it. Luke Skywalker vanished is an all time great for me. Uh, I do like that. It, it, uh, it lays out the state of the galaxy, but still, still does have a little bit of that uh, pulp and adventure serial flair uh, with the kind of language that's used. I really like daring pilot on a secret mission, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great uh, turn of phrase, and it's great kind of storytelling about this generational change, right? That mm-hmm. um, there's uh, so much in the Force Awakens that is a uh, rhyming uh, with uh, a New Hope, and it was, for some people, they that is a reason that uh, they're not as big of fans of the film, and totally understand that. But I actually really like that it is a great mirror to the opening crawl, the opening beat of a new hope where Leia is the one on a desperate secret mission. Mm-hmm. And now she is the one dispatching someone on a desperate secret mission. Yeah. It's just so star Warsy, right? We, we, we talk about it. Sometimes that's hard to answer. What is star Wars? And sometimes it's just fun to engage with that discussion, but this, that, that this sets it up. But even, even the, the, the uh, first order rising from the ashes of the empire, was one I particularly love because going in, remember the marketing, we were looking at the marketing of stormtroopers, TIE fighters. Is it just the empire again? It's like, no, from the ashes of that, I, all these questions, these marketing questions were answered in this crawl. Yeah, no, I feel that way too. I remember I uh, was hanging out at the Star Wars celebration in Anaheim uh, with Chris Taylor, author of that great Star Wars book, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. Uh, absolutely great. And that was the where First Order uh, terminology was just, it was just on some props, right? Mm, right. Uh, and on some displays. So that's, it, it wasn't a big press announcement. That's how it, it was kind of uh, uh, shared, which was great. And I remember he and I talking and both feeling like, oh, we're really intrigued by the First Order part of this story because we don't really want it to be the story that like, the empire, you know, just kind of came back and our heroes didn't do anything about it. Cause like, they were just, they're busy with their lives. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, we got, we got to take the kids to school. We got haircuts. We could, you know, so I was so curious how that story, like how could our heroes have allowed this to happen? Right. Right. And you're so right that I think this crawl put me in the, the right place for that of the first order has risen from the ashes of the empire immediately makes it like, okay, well, it is like this, you know, this terminology to make it like a a dark phoenix of mm. uh, uh, something that should have stayed buried that didn't. So like, there's lots that awake that's awakening. That's great, but there's also this awakening of that uh, ideology and that perspective that the Empire had. And having Luke Skywalker has vanished, the Republic supports the Resistance, but the Resistance is a small thing. It, the crawl just immediately told me, like, oh, this is a story about. How did this happen? What happened to our heroes that that this was allowed to happen? And how are they responding to it? It answered all those questions that I had just right there mm. in the crawl, or at least set me up to have them answered in the film. Set me, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and it's the great tradition of the crawls uh, that it really they help us start the story in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We 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 have picked up the ball and are running downfield. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So on first viewing, um, did you have a moment of wondering who the old ally was? I think we knew so much about the movie and we had discussed so much. Did you have a moment uh, racing through, ooh, who could the old ally be? Or did you just know like, yes, Max von Sydow? 
No, no, no. Because remember, Max Vancito was clearly, clearly Boba Fett. Like, gosh. <laughs> Leaked, reported, confirmed. Yeah. No, nothing wrong with that choice at all. He clearly was Boba Fett. Uh, and and uh, very, as the movie starts, I immediately was waiting for the Lord Santeca standalone movie. Uh, no, I was so excited. Uh, I, I, I try to remember. I don't think I suspected that it was going to be um, Max Vancito at all. No, uh, I was just waiting. Um, and again, it harkens back to kind of the... Again, nostalgia for uh, six years ago of just a, a more innocent time where it could have been anyone. Or as I was expecting Lando, or I was expecting uh, you know someone like that wedge, uh, and uh, now instead we got Laura Santeca, which leads to so much more storytelling that we've yet to see, and that Santeca family uh, factoring into the High Republic era. I, I love that, and love that's what we get. Going back that moment, yeah, I was trying to do a Rolodex, just flipping through it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I didn't have any honest expectation of, you know, that it was going to be somebody who had, you know, managed to stay hidden from the uh, the prying eyes of, of people trying to figure out uh, the movie. But I think it's a fascinating look at the way, uh, you know, uh, texts communicate with fans. Because when you say an old ally right before... Yeah. <laughs> several dots it, it, it creates that who and i remember having just a second of like is lando in this movie and they didn't tell us <laughs> yeah is, it, is that gonna be akbar is this uh is major bren durlin making a comeback is cliff clavin <laughs> gonna know where luke skywalker is i had like a microsecond of that on the first yeah. viewing you, you fade in and pose there and, and billy d's going hello i'm lando from the previous rebellion yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep but instead we get the church of the force yeah, all sorts of great stuff in a in a great great performance. Uh, I was just curious if you had that experience, so I mm. uh, wanted to check in on that. Mm. Let's talk a big picture about this uh, opening crawl. What clues about the movie mm. are right here in this text? Uh, how does it help us read the movie or the sequel trilogy in general? Big stuff with the sequel trilogy, but let's start again with uh, Luke Skywalker has vanished. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty big one. It's a big clue. <laughs> Big one, big one. And look, uh, separate conversation of uh, should the big three have got some uh, uh, screen time? And, and, and I, I sometimes go, yeah, it would have been something. But I, I got to tell you, from the bottom of my heart, I still love this choice. I really do. It was a brave choice to be like, yeah, that hero is gone. We're going to analyze uh, that later on and why we need him. And does he need us? All those kind of big questions and, and stuff that get, get uh, dealt with later on. I just love that it starts with this. I, and it sets you up for... And it, it, it works. It, it's weird. It, it, it's it's meta in a way. And I don't think, you know, I was even aware of that. The movie starting with Luke Skywalker has vanished. I suddenly felt uncertain and unsafe. Right. The hero was gone. Like, that's crazy to me. And a new one must rise. A new one must must find him. All those kind of things. Uh, and, and even for my guy, Han, he's run away, too. Like, it's it's it, it really was effective. Yeah, absolutely. It it it, it makes you raise a question: Why? Of like, uh, Luke Skywalker's gone, and and bad guys are desperate to, you know, end him. Uh, he is the last Jedi. How did that happen? Uh, and yeah, it, it sets up wanting to know the answers of where is Luke? Will he come back? What happened? Uh, all that great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets you emotionally invested in in where's Luke? Um. I think some of the other things for me is just that I feel like it, that the sequel trilogy is a generational story. We have so much uh, discussion in pop culture. I think a healthy discussion about the balance of new and old. Uh, but I think for me about Star Wars is that it's always been generational in the sequel trilogy in particular. Um, I know sometimes people don't like it because they feel like it's too much nostalgia. But for me, I always feel like that's 
what the story is. You know, it, that's mm-hmm. not a spice that they added on top. It's yeah. what the story is. Uh, and I feel like it, it, this, in my opinion, this crawl starts with that of it centers Leia as the leader, the general, you know, the, the stalwart ascending the new generation mm-hmm. on a mission. Not like Leia wasn't a leader before, but, you know, the fact that she's the general and she's literally sending someone on the desperate mission the way she was, like I said. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in terms of what The Force Awakens was and the whole sequel trilogy, I think it makes it really clear that it is wrestling with the past, that uh, both the villains of the past are reemerging and the heroes are struggling to respond, right? It really lets you know that this is about the past. The First Order rose from the ashes of the empire. Right. And, yes. and the old hero, Luke, isn't there. Um, I also think it, it does a great job of sort of cluing you in on, on a, a motivation that's going to continue throughout the sequel trilogy that the villains are motivated by fear, right? Mm-hmm. This doesn't start with, and they've built star killer base, you know, it doesn't start with, they're going to take over the galaxy. It starts with, they are so damn afraid of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> they won't rest until Luke is destroyed, you know? Uh, and that continues throughout the sequel trilogy that a ton of the motivation of the villains is just like, Luke's going to get us. The Jedi are going to get us. <laughs> a Skywalker, I presume. Yeah, no, Luke represents hope. That's pretty uh, clear, pretty simple. A Jedi, just a Jedi. The idea of Jedi represents hope, this idea of a hero. And and to, like you said, had the First Order rise from the ashes of, of a regime destroyed by hope, it's really raises the stakes of, oh, well, they're going to go get them. They're going to go get those good guys because they don't want that to happen again. And I love what you're saying, too, but it's the past rising up to to affect the present day, to affect the generation now. All there, and that absolutely carries out for the next three films. Yeah, absolutely. And then that was my last big thought on this one is that without using the word hope, it sets up so many ideas that we're going to follow in the sequel trilogy that it's definitely about Luke as a person. He is the last Jedi. He is uh, Leia's uh, uh, brother. Uh, but there is really, without using the word hope, this idea of that Luke is the one needed to restore peace and justice to the galaxy, which to me offers you to think about, well, why? Is it about the literal power of the Jedi or is it about their symbolic power of, you know, hope? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that tees up, I think, The Force Awakens and then that uh, tees up, obviously, The Last Jedi and in particular, <laughs> the actual crawl of Last Jedi. Yes, yes. Uh, So we shall move on to The Last Jedi. Do you want to read this one? Absolutely. Here we go. Uh, Fade in. The First Order reigns. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny. Certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed as the First Order speeds towards the rebel base. The brave heroes mount a desperate escape. Four dots. <laughs> I like how you delivered four dots like it was a review. How many dots do you give this girl? Four dots. Uh, so there was a, a lot of talk when The Last Jedi uh, was going to come out that it would pick up exactly where The Force Awakens left off, the literal cliffhanger of uh, Rey offering Luke the lightsaber, which it did. Uh, but it didn't literally, that wasn't the actual beginning of the film. Did that change how you imagined the crawl before you saw The Last Jedi? Yeah, no, did. I was very intrigued about how they're going to pull that off, which in the end, I'm like, well, why? It's a pretty simple concept. You just, it's almost, you know, it's almost more, um, 
Like how how it's almost in line with the spirit of the cross anyways. Hey, last week on, let's pick up right away. That's literally what the crawls have been doing. We've been analyzing them. Last Jedi is the perfect one for a crawl. But I was yeah. uh, oddly nervous, like, you know, because usually you get a sense of, uh, oh, a couple of years have passed and Luke's a commander now, right? Oh, my gosh. Uh, this one was going to dive in. So I, I, I did spend some time wondering. Yeah, yeah. I was so curious if they would do something uh, different. It, like have an opening scene and then a crawl. Like uh, I'm ultimately glad they didn't, but I remember that being an, a, a discussion of would there be like this three minute scene between Luke and Ray, and then we'd go into the Star Wars like and and discussions at the time, which are funny now to consider with the the battles of new versus old and <laughs> what what shouldn't be changed and what should be changed. Uh, we're continuing to have those discussions. Uh, so uh, uh, how young and naive of me yeah. <laughs> uh, to think there could be an opening scene and and then the crawl. Yeah. Um, but then I think it, it, the, this crawl is unique and interesting uh, because, like you're saying, it is it's a direct cliffhanger. Mark Hamill makes the wonderful joke. It's like it's lit- we're on the edge of a cliff. It's literally a cliffhanger. Um, and it, in some ways, it makes this crawl I think really unique in, because it this crawl does definitely give uh, clarity to the galactic situation and the immediate plot, but it almost gives it a little bit more elbow room to be explicitly about the ideas of the film because it doesn't have as much work to do to set up what's been going on. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, just uh, pick up your snacks, your popcorn, your drinks. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> got to get there. Put on your 3D glasses. Yeah. Uh, so where does this one rank for you? Is it, a, is it a big one for you? And what are your favorite parts? Yeah, I, I, I love this one. I, you know, one of these days we'll actually have to write down the rankings. Again, they'll change, I'm sure. Uh, no, I really love this one. Again, like I said up top, like it's it's really like what a crawl is supposed to do. So I, I, therefore, in a way, uh, it's one of the more effective crawls. Uh, it's just really direct. It pulls you in. It, it, it gets you up to speed. And I love that first line, too. The first order reigns. Uh, and even though we're just picking up right after uh, Force Awakens, give or take a, a, a few days or, or whatnot, um, love the imagery there. Love uh, having decimated the peaceful Republic. Uh, the use of uh, desperate, uh, our heroes are mounting a desperate escape, desperate coming back into it. it it's just kind of how the rebels should be. Fleeing and desperate mean, mean, makes for a good rebel story. <laughs> how you can find hope uh, within that uh, uh, mounting fear. All that stuff is, is present in a very smooth crawl. Yeah, yeah. I think this one is great as well. And like I said, unique. Desperate is definitely the MVP of the crawls. It pops up yes. uh, the most. It, it raises the stakes, and it's true. Uh, yeah, this one I think is a, a great mix of uh, pulp and politics because it's it's well written to have that, uh, that language, that heightened language of that kind of genre storytelling of the early and in, in, in mid-20th uh, mm-hmm. century. Uh, everything from comic books to adventure serials to episodes of Doctor Who. Um in that language tone, but it's also does a great job of, of being very clear and, and uh, declarative about the situation of like, yeah, remember last movie, they blew up the government. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So now the first order reigns so clear, punchy, uh, but the resistance has been exposed. That's really clear and mm-hmm. punchy and scary. But I think maybe my, my favorite turn of phrase in this, cause it's such a great mix of here is the political situation of the galaxy. And it's so pulpy merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Yeah. So that's, you know, exactly what's going on of like, yeah, it's not like Snoke is setting up faux elections <laughs> and getting himself, you know, elected new chancellor. It's just, they are sweeping the galaxy to, you know, first over ships come in and say, we're in control. It's a, it's a military coup, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but then combining that with merciless legions. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And I, it makes you, uh, the stuff in the Star Wars Resistance show uh, really it captures uh, the, um, 
the spirit of even this first sentence of how bad it was and how it was and uh, at the time. Like I, I really love that f- about the show, and it makes yeah. it crawl a lot. Absolutely. So, what other clues about the film do you think are in this opening crawl? One that I, uh, I think it's there. Follow me on this here. So, look, I trust uh, Leia Organa to the end of time and to the end of the galaxy, but she is certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker is the answer in this here, even having dispatched Rey. And she has a lot of uh, belief in Rey, clearly, right? I don't think we can argue that. But this idea that it is Luke who will return and restore spark of hope to the fight. And knowing now we know what happens and what this film is analyzing, what this film is asking us, I think that's also very true. But I don't know. It sets the tone for the movie to do, you know, one of the things that you've analyzed so well, Joseph, of, of question that idea of a hero. We know that's part of this. So that even Leia uh, is so certain that it's Luke, but it's more uh, it's more than that. And it's more complicated than that. And, and I just think if you're not looking for it, that can, you can, that can zip on past you. But it's right there for you to, to dive in. Yeah, I, I I think that sentence is so important. That's the one that I really gravitate toward, and I think what makes this crawl unique. Uh, certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of uh, hope to the fight. Yeah, it isn't certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and you know defeat yeah, <laughs> the yeah. First Order single handedly in battle. It is making it explicit. Uh, I think this is a a time in the crawls where the sort of the thematic stakes of the film are made explicit in the opening crawl and for the last Jedi, but also for the entire sequel trilogy, this idea of hope that Luke Skywalker is an, is a, is hope. And if, if Luke Skywalker has vanished, maybe hope has vanished in obviously other generations come into that Leia actively training Ray and Finn and Poe and all that. So it's not just about Luke, but it's, it sets up that through line that that is what, this particular film is about is trying to keep that spark of hope alive that Luke Skywalker needs to come back to it from Leia's point of view to inspire other people to keep fighting. Right. Um, And that's the journey that, that Luke goes on that he accepts that, you know, a Jedi's importance is partially their physical power, but even larger, it's their ability to inspire people. Right. Um, by the end of the film, the storyteller on Cantonica, Oniho Zaya, is sort of narrating the end of the film, and he's basically answering the question raised by the crawl, which is, mm-hmm. uh, can Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, spark some hope in the galaxy? And he's telling that story of what he's heard about what happened uh, when Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master, returned and was brave enough to face the First Order, and he is spreading hope and inspiration in that story. So I really like that. It's almost a uh, Oniho Zaya is narrator almost mirrors mm. uh, the crawl narration at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Summarizing it, giving it in, giving an exclamation point, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Answering it. And then yeah. I also think it's really significant that the actual word spark is used, right? The spark of hope. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, in terms of a clue to the film, like that's what's going on is this is not a battle to defeat the first order in this film. Mm. It's a battle to keep the spark of hope alive you know the fact that it's literally said in the crawl and then holdo restates the crawl explicitly of saying you know yeah. we're, we're going to be the spark once poe learns his lessons and understands he repeats the spark and i feel like this crawl makes it really explicit this idea of that spark that could become a flame is a big part of what this generational story of the sequel trilogy is and even flows into rise of skywalker when i think that spark uh, that's been kept alive uh, does indeed become a flame 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a good, good word, spark, right? Because it's just it's such a visual word. You immediately think of uh, rock striking rock, uh, trying to start yeah. or whatever, and, and sparks going everywhere. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful word to use for this film, but particularly this crawl. Yeah, absolutely. Any other thoughts on Last Jedi before we move on to Rise of Skywalker? No, let's move on because this crawl sure did just boom, just took us right into the movie. So. <laughs> That's right. So here we go. The crawl from Rise of Skywalker. The dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence, while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. Four dots. (laughs) Four dots. Four dots. So let's just dive right into this. Uh, where does this one rank for you? And what are your favorite parts of this text? Uh, I guess I'll put it lower because we sometimes have to. I, I love Palpatine's return. I don't need his message in the film. That's my take. It might not be yours out there. The Fortnite, Fortnite message was fine. Um, this one ranks lower. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't. It, it, at times seems clunkier to me than the other ones, uh, which not say it's bad because there's some great stuff in here that we're about to discuss. I actually like the dead speak. Uh, I think it's very Star Wars like. It's very mm-hmm. sci-fi. I think it I think it works. Uh and some but but um I think I think it hit me in a way, especially the first viewing of just like, okay, we got we got our answer and and, and whether you like it or not, it's there. Uh and then I don't even like I don't like the use of the word meanwhile. If we're if we're nitpicking nitpicking <laughs> here. Meanwhile, uh is uh, now mean you know, meanwhile, back of the whole of just whatever, but it's very it, it works in that way too. But uh this one's not as smooth as the previous two for me, but I still enjoy it because I still think those four dots take you right to where where you need to be on the story. Yeah. Well, Ken, this is, this happens so rarely that we, we disagree. I almost cherish it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think this is just to me, it is about subjective taste and something that I'm, I'm really becoming more aware of in my own fandom of star Wars and, looking at the crawls has really emphasized it, how much I want Star Wars to retain uh, that adventure serial and pulp mm-hmm. flavor. And this one just turns the dial to 11 on yeah. uh, the pulp history of the franchise and the, the ominous vibe, you know, uh, the dead speak starting, you know, with not just that, but an exclamation point of that, that, that to me is a, a part of this history of pulp and adventure serial is uh, those were stories that were meant to be um, sometimes the content would be sort of uh, dark and weird and maybe speak to uh, things that aren't okay to talk about in proper society, but you're, but you're human. So we're curious, you know, what's going on with the, uh, you know, uh, private eyes and what if there were weird monsters when we went to space and, you know, what did happen out there in that wild West when there were no laws, they're, they're all kind of speaking to mm. this desire for something sort of a, weird and fantastic and and a lot of the art and the language that comes from them is because it was it was designed to scream from newsstands (laughs) right and and screens and posters to go look at us where it's 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 incredibly dark except for this uh splash of red and we're going to use the most heightened language possible to scream to you to come on in like that's a big part of what what it is it's it's yeah. not it's not meant to be subtle you know yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the legacy of it is an attack on subtlety um and there's a ton of great subtle stuff about star wars but that part of its history is explicitly not subtle and i just love how the utter lack of subtlety in 
this crawl, right? To start with literally yelling at you of the dead speak. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think that keeps in tone with the movie. I, I don't think rises to me, Rise of Skywalker, isn't a very subtle movie. It, it's it, everything. It's it's there for you to take. And, and, yeah. and it play and it's, and that's one of the reasons I love the movie so much. Yeah. So I think it's definitely doing its job and setting the tone. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I can see how the meanwhile would come off clunky, but I think that maybe that's a part of it is, is I like just that it, it sounds like a comic book. I like that. It makes me think of uh, the super friends and <laughs> meanwhile, the hall of justice. Like, yeah. I think this is one of those moments where like, we are both uh, analyzing the text the same way and have different actual opinions about it and feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only, the only thing for me, like when I said, it's not as smooth, it, it is, it is, it's, this crawl has to do a lot, I think. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's it's right in line with the tone because I love everything it's saying here. I love the Palpatine's return and then we get the answer right here. It's a mysterious broadcast. This is what's good, which causes Leia to do this. Uh, and mean, and meanwhile, there, I just used it. Ray is training for the fight. And I look, because the, the Kylo Ren stuff, I love, it's my favorite uh, thing in this crawl. Rages, rages in search for the Phantom, em- of the Phantom Emperor. Determined to destroy any threat to his power really sets the tone for Kylo. So I think it all works. I just, sometimes it feels to me like it's bouncing around, but you know, I ain't losing sleep over it. <laughs> yes, fair enough. And yeah, it it is just, it, it, your, your analysis of the way it is jumping around of like, here's the threat from the Emperor. Here's Leia's response. Here's what Ray's doing. Here's what Kylo doing. It, what Kylo's doing. It is just racing through it. Um, but I think it's just so full of that kind of language. Mm-hmm. Is part of the reason I like it. Dispatches secret agents like look, mm-hmm. uh, desperate in dispatches. They're competing for MVP in uh, in crawls. There's there's a lot of dispatching going on in the opening crawls. Hundred percent. I think my favorite turn of phrase though is Supreme Leader Kylo Ren because you know we kind of know that uh, he he demanded that he be called that, uh, but it lets us know that's that's the state of the First Order. No one he has successfully challenged that he is the Supreme Leader. So Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor. I mean, the Phantom Emperor is great because it has that connection to the Phantom Menace. Phantom's just the perfect word for this style. But my absolute favorite, Ken, is uh, using verb um, as a, uh, using rages as a verb, right? Yes. Um, Which certainly, it it works that way. Uh, But we often hear it, I think, more as a noun of, you know, Mm-hmm. You know, they went into a rage, uh, but Kylo Ren rages. It's such a great verb. And I like I want to use that you know, like in my day to day life. I'm like I'm raging to eat a sandwich when we're done here. <laughs> I'm raging as I scroll through uh, Twitter. Oh, that's a different use, but more accurate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. That sentence, that sentence, that sentence is is absolutely my favorite in the crawl. Just uh, everything about it. Even, even the meanwhile. But uh, uh, I love that there. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so the word revenge is in all caps, which is actually rare because uh, when it's capitalized, it's usually organizations or characters. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel okay with it because I'm looking at it from the sense of revenge is a business model and maybe so it is almost an organization. <laughs> it's a proper noun uh, when used by Palpatine, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I think this... Uh, I think this crawl is uh, over the top and, and, and not, uh, for me, not a ton of subtlety. So I kind of like it. It feels like the narrator is shouting at me and I really like it. <laughs> I'm Justice Grimshaw and I love to be shouted at by narrators. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know it, it is. It, but it's, uh, again, uh, when I, you know, uh, this movie, when I say it's not subtle, I mean in the best way possible. It's just like, here, here's everything you need and go, go, go. We got a big fight to get to. Uh, so, uh, the, the, the choice to capitalize, uh, revenge uh, works for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds like, uh, 
that you feel like that's one of the big clues about the the film that are that's in this opening crawl. So let's dive into that. Do you think that for you is the main thing that it is communicating something about uh, the tone and tempo of the film? Uh, the, the crawl overall, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it. I think it. I think so. And then revenge itself, just kind of this uh, pretty obvious stated goal that the, the the true threat right now, this evil that never lets go, which is Palpatine. Uh, himself and what Palpatine, Palpatine represents there. So for re- revenge, rage, destroying, there's a lot of those kind of big bad words in this uh, thing uh, setting up the final the final chapter for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, that's part of the reason that I like the general tone of the crawl is I feel like uh, the film is constructed with the uh, 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 adventure serial influences uh, that are present in the original trilogy that they're wanting to honor them with the, the way the action is uh, constructed mm-hmm. um, in the, the kind of the tempo and structure of the film. So I feel like the crawl really matches the kind of adventure that we're on and that we're really embracing this part of the history of Star Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fact that the crawl just much like a lot of the parts of the film, just it just grabs you and it goes. You know, we've talked a lot about how the crawls start kind of mid-adventure. And this one is like, not only are we starting a mid-adventure, but a huge thing happened. <laughs> yeah. The Phantom Emperor, uh, or the Phantom Menace, is now the blatant message, menace. He broadcast it. to everyone, like, I'm, I'm back and you're, you're all in for it. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so just mid-adventure, mid-crisis, let's go. Yeah, no, I, look, and I love, one of the things I love to talk about clues for the film in this uh, text, it's just, I love, it's pretty clear that, you know, Kylo is threatened by the Emperor and, 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 and any threat to his power, which sets up so much stuff with him early on that I don't want to say it's overlooked, but it, it, it can, um, you know, there's a lot of questions that uh, pop up of why did Kylo do this? And you could just point to the crawl. Why did he, uh, you know, build that helmet after a year? Well, this threat to his powers emerged. Why is he hanging out with his college buddies again? Well, this threat to his powers emerged. <laughs> it's all that. Uh, I love thinking of the Knights of Ren as his college buddies. Yeah. yeah. He used to do uh, keggers with uh, Usher yeah. and Vikral. Uh, yeah. Um, another big thing I like about it is the great evolution between Force Awakens and Last Jedi that the next generation is is really taking over, right? Uh, Rey is the last hope of the Jedi. Kylo is a supreme leader. Uh, Leia is still named and the, the past is still re- reawakening in this frightening way uh, of Palpatine. But in the crawl, like in the movie, the next generation has kind of been handled been handed the reins uh, for the most part. Uh, obviously, Leia was still doing, got some rain passing to do in the film. Uh, so she's there in the crawl, but there's still more of a sense of the next generation is is taking over. Very much so. And that is fitting for this this final chapter indeed, right? It's just, this is how it should be. And, and I love that Leia uh, pops up in all of them, right? Uh, she, she's there, she's present, she's at the core, but uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, with um, Ray being the last hope of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, I, and that's the final thing for me on this one that I think really tells us a lot about the film is that, you know, everybody's been looking for Luke. Luke has been the hope. Luke has been the spark now that it has changed. Ray is now the last hope of the Jedi, and she's training for battle, right? So this crawl is really telling us, like, okay, she has really accepted the blade. We saw her try to take it from Kylo, and she had the broken saber in her hand at the end of The Last Jedi, uh, but now she's... It, she is the last hope of the Jedi. She has accepted uh, that, you know, she's the hero, the inspiration that people have been wait, waiting for. She's taken the mantle. Uh, but now she's she's just training for battle, training to fight. So it sets mm-hmm. up this tension of I've accepted the destiny, but now what? Can I live up to what the Jedi mm-hmm. represent, which is hope? You know, calling her the last hope of the Jedi. 
so sets her up on that path of I've accepted I am I am the Jedi, not Luke and not Kylo uh, or Ben. Uh, but now what? Which gets us into the, her friend's mind. <laughs> now what? That's a great Star Wars uh, theme, right? Well, now what? We join the rebellion. Now what? Yeah, that that should be on uh, posters inside the galaxy. Star Wars. <laughs> now what is a that's a great promotional phrase. So uh, wrapping up our look at the the crawls of the sequel trilogy in general, did you feel like they matched and or evolved from the original crawls and prequel crawls? Yeah, no, I they they really captured the spirit, especially the, the uh, original trilogy vibe. Looking at Force Awakens, second of the poetry, going ba- back a bit, it 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 felt so natural. Uh, and and I love you know we love the prequel crawls, crawls. We just did that whole episode, and, and the Revenge of the Sith one's still one of my favorites. But uh, these just fit right in, smooth. You put them down on a, on a poster, a T-shirt. Uh, they don't feel different to me. They feel like Star Wars. Yeah, I think they really, really matched what had come before and sort of evolved it. Uh, I think they threw in the really kind of some necessary political and faction information at certain times. Uh, They had uh, this feeling of pulp and politics as a mix. Uh, Politics certainly always there, but even bigger in the prequel era. And there's just like a little bit of evolution because I feel like there's a little bit more of just kind of uh, straightforward thematic statements or here are key words, key ideas for you to take into the film with you. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to look at the not crawl of Rogue One and the different not crawling but still text of Solo back in a moment. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back to finish our big discussion of the crawls in Star Wars. We are looking at the general sequel Disney Lucasfilm era, which means we're going to talk Rogue One. Uh, There's no reading of the text necessary because there isn't any text. Uh, Ken, do you think an opening crawl would have helped the general audiences sort of center themselves in the time period that Rogue One uh, exists in? Yes, I, I absolutely do. Uh, straight up, uh, with no wiggle room about it, I, I think it would have helped. General audiences is the key in that sentence there. Uh, for those who read Catalyst, remember that book that everyone still, uh, you know, makes jokes uh, about that it connects and makes it better. Um, we we all kind of were clued in, and I think you can pick it up on that. But a general audiences is clear. I'll give this example. We have maybe newer newer listen, listeners, older listeners have heard the story before. My first viewing. Lady next to me at the screening turned to me and uh, Jeremy and said, uh, pointed at Jen Erso and said, now th- that's the one from the first one last year, right? <laughs> uh, and I'm not, you know, God bless her. She doesn't have a Star Wars podcast. She doesn't need to know. But I, that was, that. that's kind of what sometimes you face. And so I think to just, to dump you straight on him uh, could potentially be a problem. That said, that said, I wouldn't trade the, that cold opening scene for anything though, because I love it so much. I really love that opening scene. It's one of some of Ben Mendelsohn's final, finest work in the film and everyone else as well. We get to see Larry Ursa. I think it's powerful. And, and, uh, and I saw there was a comment actually in one of our YouTube videos, someone saying, Hey, you know, take this o- opening scene as a de facto crawl. And I think it does serve that purpose. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think you, you can always uh, look at it that way too. Uh, Cause you get all the pieces you need. Jen, uh, the empire saw her journey, but to be blunt, honest, that fly, flies past a lot of people. And just some words on the screen might have been received uh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of the era of when it actually came out, right, the the mm-hmm. films will live on and they will change over time because of the different time. But, yeah, the fact that Star Wars returned <laughs> starring mm-hmm. a, a brown haired British woman and then Star Wars returns again next year starring a brown haired British woman. It's understandable that some people would uh be confused because it's it's a movie I see and then I go see the next one. Um, yeah. So maybe it would have avoided some confusion. Um, and I think maybe it wouldn't have made a difference to, to other viewers. Because yeah. I think when I talk to some people who needed some clarity on it, who are like, you know, mild Star Wars fans or just general pop culture fans, what they needed was real world communication, right? They needed for me to say to them, this one happens right before a new hope star Wars and leads into that one. And like, Oh, you know, um, yep. it, and I wonder what, uh, 
there, there's plenty of things that the crawl could have said, but I wonder if uh, it's fun to think of how do you translate that into the universe, right? If what people, if what some people needed to hear is this one's an immediate prequel to the very first one, <laughs> we certainly don't want to crawl that just says that, right? You guys remember Star Wars, <laughs> A New Hope? This happens right before it. Like there's got to be an inlet in universe way to say that. Right. Yeah. No, no. Look, that was another thing too. And it, it, this is, um, by the way, this, again, I, I, I'm saying wouldn't trade that opening scene for anything. Uh, everyone else you can catch up, but, uh, without a doubt, uh, those type of questions popped up and you're right. Uh, next generations, uh, are going to see it in a different light. They're going to, there's going to be generation of fans. There probably already are generations of fans who are like, Oh no, you watched new hope before rogue one. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not the order. Uh, so yeah, it's just a little bit because again, because the, op- that opening scene is, 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 is in another time. And even though you fade in on gin and, 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 and prison and you, 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 you get it pretty quick. Uh, and you see stormtroopers again. It's just something about the don't. And I'm not, this is an insult to general audiences. It's just I wouldn't expect this from them. You just swing in to see a big Star Wars picture. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I do really like the actual beginning of the just the big whoomp on the on the planet. Um, yeah, oh yeah, I, I love that music cue. It, it's such a a different and kind of shocking way to bring you into it. So I do like that. And yeah, the I wouldn't trade that opening scene uh, for anything either. I think it's really really great. Which Brings me to this question, Ken, if you were going to insert a crawl in Rogue One, would you do it to set up the opening scene or would you do it after the opening scene? I'm going to be even more uh, controversial after. Yeah, do, 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 that, do that thing you thought they might do with episode eight. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's kind of the way it is now of like, you know, that's where the actual title comes on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's all. And give me, uh, I, I don't need, uh, uh, you know, seven years later or whatever it is, or it's, it's, it's more, I know. Uh, I don't necessarily need that, but just like, uh, um, and I don't even need it necessarily about gin, the, 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 the thread. I didn't write one down, but like, I think the, I think the crawl could end on, and, and amongst all this stuff going on, the oppression, this and that, uh, a young, uh, you know, uh, you know, gin finds herself incarcerated, whatever. I, I'm, I'm not, saying my writing would be better than theirs <laughs> yes uh it would it would work like that for me right there dispatched to a non-secret prison <laughs> yes thank <laughs> you thank you thank you for pulling me out of that uh crawl prison <laughs> uh so yeah i think if i if, if i you know uh we're going to put uh i don't do these kind of things but if there were going to be a crawl i think it would be fascinating to put it uh there because it brings us into the main body of the story and yeah i i think uh that's a great comment to consider uh, the crawl of Rogue One being that uh, that o- those opening scenes uh, setting up Jin's journey. Mm-hmm. So he- I know I have said the words pulpy and adventure serial uh, a minimum of a billion times on these three episodes, but to me it's so important of what the crawls are. I think that in general, Rogue One leans into a little bit more of the grounded and the gritty side of Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think a pulpy crawl would have matched the tone of Rogue One? This is a great point. I don't know if I've ever th- in all and we've had crawl rogue run rogue one crawless uh, discussions before, right? Uh, even off air with other folks. This is I don't think I've ever stopped to really consider this, uh, Joseph. I, I don't know if it would have worked. Even even a little solo blip might have been off. It's all in the wording, of course, and 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 I guess if it's there, you know, wouldn't have questioned it, it not being there. Uh, 
But yeah, there's something about Rogue One, which is weird because it is so tied into New Hope and it is so just some of the best like Star Wars action and things you love about it. But it's absolutely striking a different tone. And the wonder of a pulpy crawl might have seemed out of place, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I really do wonder about that because I think a, a part of their purpose is to, on a sort of a mood level or a tone level, to let people know how to accept this. Certainly the first one in 1977 that we, we talked about where, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, it's it's a Flash Gordon thing. It's yeah. the, the style visually and the actual language is telling you how to receive this. Of This is a thrilling adventure of yesteryear, you know? Mm-hmm. We're going to go to all these alien worlds and they're going to be weird creatures and there's going to be technology like you could have never imagined like that's kind of what the tone is telling you and rogue one i think uh, while it is extremely star wars it's just emphasizing different different parts of uh of the dish right and outside of the the borgullets uh brief and odd cameo <laughs> which i love right there aren't a bunch of uh beasts of burden there aren't like you know strange exotic things it's it's soldiers and, uh, uh, you know, struggling people, you know, trying their best to make it through this gritty, dark time. Yeah. Destruction is everywhere. Yeah. And, and that's, um, again, go, looking at the opening scene as a crawl, what do you get? The empire is having trouble building their weapon that we all know is going to wipe out billions of people in one shot. Uh, that's hanging over this, uh, this dad is being essentially kidnapped. The mom is killed and the girl's on the run. And a stranger says, come on, your journey's just beginning. That's, that's a pretty different tone to take us into this whip smart serial adventure. Yeah. And I mean, the death star obviously is, is always going to be a heightened thing. Yeah, you yeah. know, a giant, uh, ball of destruction, literally called the death star but we've lived with it in our culture for so long it's kind of lost some of that that uh adventure serial heightened uh feel it's just a thing <laughs> uh that exists so yeah that opening call of of scenes is you know yeah a scientist building a weapon that it's about uh, government and technology it's it's you know a little bit more grounded within this space fantasy world and i sometimes wonder uh, I I sometimes think, oh man, I wish there were a couple of weirder things. You know, I wish that mm. the camera panned over uh, from the imperial uh, facility, uh, the the where the engineers are working, and you realize it's it's powered by some large beast breathing <laughs> some weird liquid into it. Like you know, some of the, some of that stuff that you sometimes in Star Wars you just kind of pull to the side and go like, oh, it turns out they were in an uh, they were in a space look, they were in an exogorth. Cool, <laughs> you know, like. Some of that fantasy element I sometimes wish uh, was in there. While I absolutely love Rogue One and love what it what it did, um, that I sometimes wonder if the the lack of some of those, you know, it, it's not shouting about anybody raging. Nobody's being dispatched on secret missions. Uh, you know, that I wonder if that is, that it doesn't emphasize those pulpy elements is one of the reasons that so many people love Rogue One so much that. Uh, it's one of the things that makes me wonder of like, are we kind of moving away from some of those those ingredients of Star Wars and, and audiences really want things to be a little bit more grounded? Yeah, no, it's a fair question. I think sometimes the answer would be yes, right? And and, and that's that's that the conversation around Rogue One now uh, versus then. We're like, oh, that's my favorite. Of the, of the Disney ones, that's my favorite, which, by the way, it's one of my favorites too. Uh, but I also know some folks who, are, who it isn't as as much. And, and that's that's a great discussion maybe for a 
another time. Another time. Yes, I, I, I've brought it up a couple times because it's on my mind lately for my uh, personal fandom, uh, but also for clarity, I really do love Rogue One and I do love that it has a unique tone. Uh, you talked about this a little bit, but I do want to ask you, if you were going to add an opening crawl, you know, what kind of information would you give or what style would you present it in to, to match the style and mood of Rogue One? Uh, in terms of just the, 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 the execution of it, I'd want a solo like crawl. I just think that, that one, I really, we're going to talk about it in a second. I just really love that one. So yeah, that, and just really setting, uh, that's where desperate can come in. Give me, give me the desperate feel <laughs> of the galaxy, but also the, uh, how did, not exciting word, but the malaise, the trap, no one feel, they all feel, everyone feels helpless. Yeah. Uh, and then, but, but sides are being, you know, uh, battle side, battle lines are being drawn. Sides are being uh, uh, picked. Uh, what side are you on? That type of question. And, and in the middle of that, uh, Jen, uh, that's where Jen finds herself. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if the crawl came after the opening scenes with Jen, we know that she's on uh, her journey. Um, I, the kind of stuff that I would like to to be communicated, I think would be interesting. Is like, yeah, definitely in a kind of direct, more direct text style, like Solo would be great. Just the information that the Empire is everywhere. Maybe even that the Death Star is almost complete. You know, a little bit of the the, the Luke Skywalker. Little does Luke know. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. The, this this horror is coming, and we, the audience, know what that means. The Death Star is almost complete. Uh, the the Empire dominates everything. And I think the key idea, one of the things that I love most about uh, Rogue One, is that the desperation and the horror and the pain is so thick that it's starting to eat away at even the rebels, right? Something along the lines of, you know, even the brave rebels determined to fight for freedom struggle to find hope, you know? I don't know if you actually need the word hope, but that feeling, that feeling that the reality of the galaxy is starting to eat away at the rebels. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point of just to address the infighting, the, the, the not knowing how to pull this all off. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great to touch on. Yeah, is a, a real sense of, apathy and a sense of fear and, and losing their way is, is such a great part. And that's what the, that's what the heroes overcome. The final sentence is meanwhile, Joe or Nabel sits in his office, not believing any of them. <laughs> exactly. We, we join Jen in prison with a character that now has three canon names. <laughs> yes. Nail kennel and a third that yeah. I don't remember right now. Uh, anyway, moving on then uh, to solo. So solo has a non crawl inspired by Willow. Uh, three bits of flat blue text fade in and out with a slight camera push in to give them some dynamic energy. Uh, it has some similarities to traditional crawls. There are three chunks of text, just like there are three paragraphs in the crawl. Uh, key nouns are in all caps uh, and there is a mix of practical information and theme clues i think uh so ken do you want to read this last one be my pleasure and it's funny when you see it all written down you're like yeah it's a crawl right it, it's structured exactly the same the word count is similar <laughs> yeah it is uh all right here we go it is a lawless time crime syndicates compete for resources food medicine and hyperfuel. On the shipbuilding planet of Corellia, the foul Lady Proxima forces runaways into a life of crime in exchange for shelter and protection. On these mean streets, a young man fights for survival, 
but yearned to fly among the stars. Four dots. <laughs> and the dots continue. Yeah, it's a little shorter uh, work count than most crawls, but it still really has that vibe. So I know you're a big fan of this one. Where does it rank for you and, and what turns of phrase speak to you? I mean, I really love this one. I love this one. I mean, can I rank it number two? And not not just because I don't want to rank it number one, but uh, I just really think it's so effective. Um, remember, we are coming out of, and yes, I know we're coming to Last Jedi. We'd expect Last Jedi to have a crawl. We know Episode Nine's going to have a crawl, but we're coming out of Rogue One, where I didn't even like the, the like the logo font of Rogue One bothered me for a while. Of just like that's all you get is some like iMovie version of the title. Oh, I don't know about this. Uh, though obviously, I'm a big fan of the movie, but so we were sitting there. I was just so wondering. And then this pops up, just a big fan of what it does, uh, the pacing of it with the fade in and out, and then the music playing behind. The action is going. We're not fading down. And by the way, I love fading down or panning, excuse me, not fading up, but panning down and from the stars, like the the episodes uh, you know, one through nine do. I love all that. But this was just its own thing, and it really just pulled me in. Uh, it is very smooth, and it communicates a lot about this movie, and I still contend a lot of people don't pay attention to the words that they're seeing on the screen about what this movie is trying to tell you. Yeah, I, I so agree with you. This ranks so high for me. Uh, trying to jot down some notes on my thoughts. The first thing I just wrote is perfection. <laughs> I, oh God, it, it is the music. It is that exact right kind of tone. It, it's somber, right? It, it's setting mm-hmm. that mood of like, it is sad. The galaxy is in a sad state and it's going to be hard for Han Solo and any other characters we meet to get out of this state. But there is just this little bit of hope, right? You know, it it sets the mood. You can infer the presence uh, of the Empire if you're, you know, no Star Wars. And if you don't, if you're just coming in and like, I'm going to try this one, right? It gives you the information of like, it's a lawless time. Whatever the government is, they're letting these uh, crime syndicates uh, run wild. And that's that's the state that this main character is finding himself in, you know? Um, and, and then the specificity of this is Corellia. That's what this is what the deal with Corellia is the shipbuilding planet, right? It, mm-hmm. So much great just uh, information. Um, but then, and then in just terms of uh, terms of phrase, uh, I think about it as a lawless time all the time. I, I mm-hmm. love the you know the really specific declarative sentences that start off these crawls, and that one is an, a, a top one for me. Oh, absolutely. And just, and just in, in the way it ends, this young man fighting for survival, the big theme, right? Survival is this idea and how do you get it? And, 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 and for Han just right away setting the tone that it, it's, it's freedom. It's getting out. Uh, and you and I know is, you know, you get this idea of, of Kira, her idea is you don't get out. So you, you have to survive another way, survive within the system, all those kind of things there. And I think, um, because it's Han and everything. And I think maybe you might focus on yearns to fly among the stars. And that makes sense. It's the Han we know, but there's so much before that final, uh, final little section. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's still got some of that, uh, that pulp flair of like the foul lady Proxima, right. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the, on these mean streets, which, you know, uh, speaks to, you know, connections to other cinema, if you want to read it that way. Uh, so it speaks to that, uh, tradition in star Wars and you're so right. It, it's, you know, it, it's not a big galactic story and it's not trying to be. That it, We don't pan from the stars down to a specific planet. We start down, <laughs> you know, in the muck and the mud and the dark alleys of this planet. And I love that it then just starts with, you know, literal darkness that is sparking as Han Solo tries to steal something. Yes, yes. Yes, a spark in the dark. Wow, that seems very Star Wars like. Yeah, a spark in the dark, and it's literally uh, how the the 
film begins. So we, we were talking about this. Uh, we can't contain ourselves. We already got into this, but I want to finish it up. What clues about this film are, are in this text? You mentioned the lawless time one, uh, and it's such an interesting thing because it's it's the empire. The, they've sold this uh, idea of security, safe and secure society, uh, but it's lawless. And cr- this is is about the crime syndicates who are flourishing under that reign. Which why is why I love the idea here. Fuel is a resource, sure, but so are food and medicine. Life ain't good. <laughs> Life ain't good, and crime equals protection in this kind of world. And that's just things are what, what's on, 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 on the top is, is really on the bottom. And then it's all, it's all upside down. It's not a good world. And of course the survival, but, but I just love that. And, and I think even, even, even I, uh, like on first, you know, so, you know, when you've seen your first, your first stars, the first time you've seen a film, you so many things going through your head, but mm-hmm. I think I had to go back the second time. And it was when I was like, yeah, it says it right here. Hyperfuel. It ain't some just MacGuffin that you learned a, a tactic you learned in screenwriting class. It's a real thing. And that's some of the discussions you and I had and Jennifer back, in the day and it says it right here it's a resource and they're all fighting for it because they need to survive yeah i love how much it lays out uh the stakes of like yeah in we're gonna see haunted these two different points of life at both of both points hyperfuel is gonna seem like it's everything and it isn't a a briefcase with something mysterious in it in order to motivate other interesting revelations about the characters and their choices it is a, a symbol of uh the ability to have any sort of movement or personal freedom and uh, a symbol of uh, oppression. And then the, the crawl makes it explicit. Like you're saying resources, food, medicine, hyperfuel, right? I mean, it is, it's food, medicine, gas, uh, you know, nobody, nobody gets to have gas (laughs) unless, uh, you know, crime syndicates are competing for it, meaning that crime syndicates are hoarding it. Right. Um, so it, it lays out that, yeah, exactly what you're saying, Quaxim is not just a MacGuffin. Uh, then I think the specificity of, you know, forcing runaways into a life of crime in exchange for shelter and protection, that, that is really letting us know that these characters we're meeting, like Han and Kira and, and um, you know, any, any of the other scrum rats there, there aren't like, yeah, uh, they, they're, they're bad seeds. Right, right, <laughs> they right, went right. bad, right? It's that, that that's who they have to be to exist, you know? And for me, I think uh, all of this has got this great tonal thing where you can absolutely watch Solo and just have uh, fun with it as a thrilling adventure. Young Han Solo, uh, you know, takes his big first step into the stars and he f- figures out who he wants to be and all that. And, and it, it is really well done in terms of, I think, being funny and thrilling. And it's a thrill ride. It's great. It's fun. It makes me want to get in my car and drive fast. But I feel like what this this is saying is... It, it can absolutely be read and received as a fun adventure. Uh, but at its heart, what's motivating the adventure is that this is a film about overcoming multiple layers of systemic oppression to have even a chance at personal freedom. And for me, that I love engaging with that film on all levels. And I love how much this crawl is saying, yeah, I mean, Han isn't somebody who could be like, I'm going to get a decent job. I'm going to save up. And I'm going to go uh, explore the galaxy. If he wants to do any of those things, he has to operate in crime and he has to evade the empire because he is he and everyone in the galaxy are, you know, oppressed under multiple layers of mm. horror. Mm. Yeah. And the big the big crimes down to, you know, you and I love discussing the idea of the, you know, just the industry being destroyed and how they destroyed his uh, his own family and his own view of his father and and, and his father's existence and, and and just all down to that level and it's we always talk about Star Wars being hope 
hope versus fear and finding hope within the fear. Uh, and, and, and this is, uh, this is all about that. Yes. Yeah. Crawl. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So a big favorite, uh, for us here. So on rewatches, uh, does this one enhance your viewing of the film? Like when you put on solo, are, are you excited to see the crawl? Does it add to the film? Oh, hundred percent. If, if, if it's one of those things where, uh, I talk often how like solo is one of my favorite right now, along with Rise of Skywalker, my favorite like background Star Wars movies. Like I, I, you know, doing washing some dishes. So I'll put on a Star Wars picture. Uh, once this starts, I kind of sit down and settle in for it, uh, at least for the opening. Um, uh, just because uh, of this crawl does such a good job. And again, I talked about earlier, just like finally watching Willow after all these years and going, oh, be damned, Ron Howard. You did it. You pulled from that. I, I totally forgot that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am still waiting to watch Willow. I have told you my story where I, I, I saw a commercial uh, for it on television and thought for a second it was Star Wars and then got mad at it for not being Star Wars. So I have never seen Willow. Uh, I am waiting. I don't still hold the, the grudge. I've just been waiting for the right time because I know it's going to be a special journey uh, to watch uh, Willow with my wife. Uh, anyway, yeah, for me, I think uh, the music, the mood, it is a lawless time. It, I love how much it just gets me in the mood to watch this film because it sets the tone and the stakes so so well um i've been watching some older films where and you know really being reminded of how much films used to start with a long scene of credits right yes (laughs) you get to hear see all the producers names at the beginning of the film and what that did is often had a, a sort of a montage or you know long camera shot establishing shots that really set the mood of the film where is it taking place what kind of people are around what's the stake what's the world and i feel like this crawl all the crawls do it but this one does it really really well it just it sets you into the mood of the film uh yeah absolutely absolutely i mean yeah i i know at this point i'm just biased i just love this movie this crawl so much but it's like it it wasn't saying a young man needs to find his dl44 blaster and uh, all the things you knew before (laughs) those are just just seasoning on this story it's it's the han we know came out of this world and and how it formed him and and uh the the music you're right sorry the music is key the shot everything about it in this crawl love it love it Absolutely great. So uh, we are going to wrap up our big three-week look at the opening crawls and non-crawls of Star Wars. So after looking at all of them over these last few weeks, Ken, uh, how do you feel about them being used for future Star Wars stories? Are you excited that they might return if the story is appropriate? Or do you feel like the crawls, the text, have had their day? I am... uh that's ooh, that's scary when you phrase it like that. I don't want to, I don't want them to have had their day. I want more. However... Uh, you know, and I, I'm trying, I'm going back in time, especially uh, on some of the other Star Wars shows that appear on in like 2016. Remember the crawl conversation? It was it was a fair question, fair conversation to have about will this Rogue One movie have a crawl and stuff was coming out? And I just remember almost being cynical, like, come on, everything in Star Wars is a crawl, even serial, like has a crawl on the box, like it it, it should be there. Uh, and because it slightly didn't work for me in Rogue One, but it worked so well in Solo, I am open to explore, exploring new ways to delivering uh, the setup we need, including, by the way, the Clone Wars newsreels worked pretty damn good, uh, as we discussed last time out. So uh, I don't want to see them completely wrapped up, but I can understand if it's just the quote unquote saga films. If we ever get an episode 10 and 11 and 12, then the crawls could and uh, should come back, I would think, at that point. But with the new projects, um, I'm interested to see new ways. 
Yeah, no, I, I really see where you're coming from, and I tend to agree. I don't want them to go away entirely. Uh, I would love to see them if they continued to evolve. I always want them to match the story and match the tone. Like yeah. uh, I think we talked about in uh, our first episode, uh, talking about the crawls, that like uh, the book of Boba Fett to me doesn't need crawls because I feel like Boba Fett is kind of the narrator in a way. He's the one taking us on this journey into his soul and his uh his Boktopod fueled memories. So I don't feel like I really need it. Um, but maybe other, other uh, stories I would, and I would like to see them evolve. If the classic crawl came back, I think it should be almost tied to uh, stories that are like big galactic uh, stakes. Right. Um, I know a lot of the comic books and the books have crawls, but it really works for me in, in the beginning of high Republic comics when they have a, a printed crawl in the kind of traditional crawl shape. Yeah. Uh, it's in the book sometimes uh, too. And I feel like, yeah, Hey, if there was ever a high Republic movie, I'd be like, give me the classic crawl because we're yeah. back to like a big galactic tale. You know, I want to see those words uh, scrolling up through the stars. Right. Um, and uh, I think it would be great to keep that that tradition alive, keep that uh, pulp adventure serial feeling uh, alive in those kind of stories. Uh, yeah, especially a high republic, old republic, anything. Yeah, anything that's uh, maybe more than one film. <laughs> is, that, is that the standard? Yeah, uh, I said saga films earlier. Whether or not it's the you know the the nine, uh, you know, we get ten, eleven, twelve. That could be one thing. But yeah, you, I think you're going to see eventually one day. I do believe you will see whether it's high republic, old republic. You will see another set of stories set in one era, and, and that would uh, a crawl would serve those well. Taika Waititi doing a one off or something like that. I bet he's got an inventive way to set us up for the story. Exactly, exactly. And as long as it uh, helps, you know, center the audiences in uh, what can be complex timelines and just really enter the mood and the ideas of the story, I think that's great. So ultimately, at the uh, end of our long discussion here, Ken, what do you think the crawls do best? Set up the plot, set up the themes, set up the tone, or all of the above? All of the above is actually a fair answer. Uh, I put, uh, hey, tone and themes for the movie for sure. But you know the thing, I, really in analyzing all of them, I really think what it does is just set up the spirit in our own heart for our viewing, not to get all, uh, you know, silly about it, but it really does. It, you, you, whether you're solo, whether it's a cold open with Rogue One, you are going on a new Star Wars adventure and the crawls just give you that that beat to just take your breath in, to take in the story as best you can and go on this adventure. Yeah, I agree with you. I really think that uh, they provide the practical cliffhanger information a lot of them have just very practical information as what has happened or what resulted from this uh, these people attacked uh, this people but now this other group is striking back all sorts of just stuff that allows you to really start mid-adventure um, they can really set mood and tone and theme with excitement dread uh, that mvp of desperate <laughs> set the stakes uh, but more than anything yeah i think it is uh just the sheer value of almost the um the aesthetic, right? Of if you're sitting down to watch a movie, you're looking for kind of the first clues of what kind of story is this, right? And, you know, a, a big crawl is really saying like, uh, what kind of story are you going to see? Well, they're probably going to be spaceships and laser swords. That's what we're doing. <laughs> so get excited. Love it. Love it. And look, just shout out to George going back uh, in 77 and going, you know what I liked as a kid? I'm going to put this in my movies. You know what? Yeah, I had this great uh, sensation, this great feeling from this. Uh, I want to share that. I want to share the excitement of starting a story. And I think it is very well done. So that is our look at The Crawls. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? 
Absolutely, we are the Force Center Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Spotify, and more. We got merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Don't forget to check out our exclusive show on the companion sci-fi app uh, called databank dive. Uh, we'll tweet out how to find that show on the days it's released. And you can follow me at catnapsock or go to my website, catnapsock.com for information on all the, all the other things I do, but doing that radio show um, on a mixed cloud called pop rocket radio. And a lot of force center people check it in. Uh, I've been trying to go live on Friday or Saturday nights playing some rock and or roll for y'all. It's been a lot of fun. So check me out there. Uh, Joseph, what about you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshot. And you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. We also uh, like to plug other groups or organizations that we support. Uh, this week, I want to highlight a group called Illuminative. Here's what the group, the organization, says about themselves. Created and led by Native peoples, Illuminative is a new nonprofit initiative designed to increase the visibility of and challenge the negative narrative about Native nations and peoples in American society. So if you want to check that out, you can go to their website at illuminatives.org. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, what a fun time discussing the crawls. I'm going to go watch (laughs) Solo again, Joseph. Yeah, I think I'm just going to watch all the crawls in a row in in none of the movies, but uh, (laughs) enjoy it all. All right. Well, that's it. We're out of here. We'll see you next time. So for you, Borg Gullet, we need a crawl just for you. We'll see you (laughs) next time on Force Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 